Welcome to the Family Worship Companion, supplementing your personal reading of Scripture with a Christ-centered emphasis and real-life application for every member of the family. Have you ever had an experience with God that changed the course of your life? I think that's how we could evaluate Genesis 17 in the life of Abram. In this chapter, he has the promises of God reaffirmed to him. His name is changed. His wife's name's changed. The name of his son, Isaac, is revealed. And then he is given a sign of circumcision. The chapter then ends with Abraham circumcising all the males of his household. As we begin this chapter, don't allow the division of the chapters to make you miss an important detail. At the end of the previous chapter, we're told the detail of Abram's age, and that's how this chapter begins. And we're meant to see that 13 years have passed. I can't help but wonder how those 13 years went with Abram navigating the tension between Sarai and Hagar. Maybe it was all smooth and plain sailing. Maybe there was no real difficulty at all, or maybe it was a headache every single day. And so for a fifth time, God reveals himself to Abram. Verse 1 records that revelation in fascinating language. It gives to us the eminence of God because he is revealed as El Shaddai, God of majesty. He is also an exhortation to Abram from God, where he said, walk before me, and then an examination in the language, be thou perfect. So tremendous encouragement and challenge in the very first verse. Verses 2 through 8, God renews the covenant that he had made with Abram. It's a deeper revelation, but not a revision. Nothing has changed here, only clarified. God also changes Abram's name. He goes from Abram to Abraham, from great father to a father of a multitude. God then reassures Abraham that this covenant is an everlasting covenant. And I want to read to you language from Matthew Henry that encouraged me as I was as reading over this. He, he said, it is from everlasting in the counsels of it and to everlasting in the consequences of it. And the external administration of it is transmitted with the seal of it to the seed of believers and the internal administration of it by the spirit of Christ's seed in every age, end quote. Now, I don't know if you can capture all that he is saying there, but I found it very, very encouraging. In verses 9 through 14, then we have the whole subject of circumcision. It is given as a mark of a society that has a special relationship with God. Like baptism in the New Testament, it speaks of a new birth, a changed heart, and a separated life. And Abraham is commanded to circumcise two types of people, those born in his house and those bought by him. And it points to certain experiences of the believer, doesn't it? Because every Christian is born of the Spirit, John 3. Every Christian is bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6. Then from verses 15 through 19, Sarai's name also is changed to Sarah. And again, it's a sense of breadth. She goes from my princess to just princess generally. 
again indicating that she is entering into the breadth of the blessings that God is bestowing upon them through the promised seed. It also has details of Abraham coming before God and beseeching God on behalf of Ishmael as well. Verses 20 through 22, God reassures Abraham of his intention to temporarily bless Ishmael, but all the spiritual blessings, the covenant blessings, will be through this promised seed of Isaac. And so from verse 23 to the end of the chapter, it just details Abraham's obedience in circumcising all the males of his house. And so we come to application. And first, I want you to note that twice in this chapter, Abraham falls on his face before God, verses 3 and 17. And I, I want you to see how the blessings of God produce not pride, but humility. And so just stop and pause, and maybe even as a family, think about this. How has God blessed us? And as you think about that, may it produce humility in your heart and the same response that Abraham displays here as he falls on his face in worship. Secondly, we cannot underestimate the importance a vision of God, a vision of Christ brings to the heart in terms of producing affectionate obedience. We can force people to do things by sheer terror, but to produce real gospel obedience, real affectionate obedience where the heart wants to obey, that requires a sight of God, a sight of Christ. And that's what God gives to Abraham here. Walk before me and be thou perfect is given in the context of having seen his God. And so parents, remember that. Pray so fervently that your children would see Christ. Then gospel obedience will make sense to them. The requirements, the instruction, the discipline, the things you try to instill in them that are of Christian character, they make way more sense when they have had a vision of Christ. They say, of course, of course. They see the Lamb, they see the glory of their God, and they must then obey. Thirdly, in verses 20 and 21, you see this, this tension of great blessings being promised to Ishmael, but the covenant is rooted in Isaac. And it's almost as if God is saying what Jesus would later say, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Whereas in, in Isaac, the riches of Christ are right there. So be aware, be very aware. Never trade the spiritual riches of Christ for all the material blessings that are lavished upon the Ishmaels of this world. If you have Christ, you have the riches that matter. Fourthly, be careful with the temptation to strategize when God is calling for immediate obedience. In the circumcision of all the men of the household, remember, we know this from chapter 14. At that point, Abram had 318 men trained in his house. He probably has more by this stage. So hundreds of men are under his house. And yet, instead of thinking of circumcising them over time, now remember, their, their, their defense, their their safety 
depends upon these men being available to, to defend them. And so if you circumcise them all on the same day, they're all going to be in some way kind of immobilized and not able to protect the, the household. And yet Abraham, instead of strategizing and thinking, well, this would be a better approach, he immediately obeys. He obeys and leaves the safety of the household in the hands of God. Friends, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to let go of the control, obey immediately, and leave what may be the fears and the dangers in the hands of God to take care of you. Fifthly and finally, can you say with the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 verse 3 that we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh? If so, then you can laugh with Abraham. Why is Abraham laughing? He's laughing in the joy of what God is promising him. In fact, you can laugh with even more confidence because what he was looking forward to and rejoiced to see, you have seen come to pass. You now look back and see the one who's fulfilled all these promises. And so you can laugh even more heartily and you can rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. No matter what you're facing, you can laugh with Abraham in the joy that Christ has come and these promises have been fulfilled.